0: When you dare to speak truth to power, stand up for what's right, fight for truth and transparency, you'll be labeled, attacked, maligned, and even sued. But when you're an American patriot, you do it anyway. Congressman Jim Jordan knows it all too well. He's not backing down, and he joins me right here in Nashville in just a few minutes. But first, I'll crown my losers of the week. The show starts now. Frat parties, fake accents, and a dribbling pothead turned author. I've selected my losers of the week, so let's get started. This week, a Bud Light executive crapped on frat boys, but newly uncovered photos suggest she used to be fun. Meet Alyssa Gordon Heinerscheid, the VP of Marketing for Bud Light. Earlier this week she defended the really stupid decision to make bio man turn teenage girl wannabe Dylan Mulvaney into the new and truly bizarre face of beer, ingrown beard hairs and all. I'm a businesswoman. Mm -hmm. I had a really clear job to do when I took over
1: Bud Light and it was this brand is in decline. It's been in decline for a really long time and if we do not attract
2: young drinkers to come
0: and drink this brand, there will be no future for Bud Light. What what does evolve and elevate mean? It means inclusivity. It means shifting the tone. It means having a campaign that's truly inclusive and feels lighter and brighter and different and appeals to women and to men. Bud Light had been kind of a brand of fratty, kind of out of touch humor. And it was really important (laughs) that we had Another approach. Attention, white men. Bud Light does not want your business unless you put on a prom gown and some lip liner and pretend to be a teenage bimbo. Apparently, that's the new Target demo for the brand. But there's a little plot twist because newly resurfaced Facebook posts uncovered by the Daily Caller appear to show Miss Melissa partaking in quite the fratty behavior. And while this would appear to be super hypocritical, it's also quite sad because at one point in time it appears Alyssa was fun. So rip fun Alyssa and also rip Bud Light. On to the next imposter and my loser two of this week. Representative Justin J. Pearson, one of the so-called members of the Tennessee Three who was expelled last week after partaking in the gun control insurrection at the Tennessee Capitol. Well, a lot has changed for Mr. Pearson in the last seven years. He appears to have been, well, a different human. Take a look and know this is not an SNL skit.
2: Justin J. Pearson, and I'm running for president of BSG. There are a few reasons that we're running this campaign this year. One has to do with representation how can we represent all voices in a conversation? I want to do this by partnering with organizations from the Putin Democrats to the Putin Republicans. I want to bring together different voices, dissenting voices, voices that may be more liberal or more conservative, in order that we can reach a point of sort of the radical middle. seemed like the NRA and gun lobbyists might win, but oh that was good news for us. I don't know how long this Saturday in the state of Tennessee might last. Coming to the well. Yeah. I believe, I believe in a vision of yeah. people who've been ostracized coming yeah. to the well. Yeah. I, see, I see white folk and black folk. I see queer folk and straight folk. I see rich folk and-
0: As our friend Greg Price noticed, Justin Pearson went from Carlton to MLK real quick. You gotta love that transformation. But speaking of transformation, I really hope ten months in Russian captivity had that same impact on weed cartridge-toting and America-hating WNBA player Brittany Griner, and I hope that's what we'll read about in her forthcoming book. This forthcoming book will be Griner's second memoir, and since it's still untitled, I have a few suggestions. Perhaps she could title it F Around and Find Out, or maybe God Bless America, How I Was Indeed Never Oppressed in the U.S. of A., or maybe even just an audiobook wherein she sings the Star-Spangled Banner on repeat to express her gratitude for the nation who brought her home instead of the Marine that's still detained over there. Titillating stuff, truly. Those are my Losers of the Week, coming up my next guest is now being sued by manhattan da alvin bragg but i doubt he's shaking in his boots congressman jim jordan joins me in nashville next
2: what's up everyone it's nick Wright, and i got something exciting to talk to you about today angie your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well now angie isn't just your average home services marketplace or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well.
1: The fact that I'm here with my sister Valerie and my youngest son, Hunter Biden. Stand up, guys. I'm proud of you.
0: Here's our illustrious president and his illustrious son Hunter in Ireland. You know, it's important to note Joe Biden has yet to visit East Palestine, Ohio, which he said he'd get to at some point. But first, ice cream. While Joe is yucking it up in the motherland here in the Banana Republic, formerly known as the USA, Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg has widened his sights from Donald Trump to include my next guest, Congressman Jim Jordan. Congressman, you're, you know, the hot topic right now. <laughs> and I want to get into this first because I think a lot of Americans are really confused as to what's going on here, why the DA would now come after you. Is that going to hinder your oversight into this well, political prosecution? No, good
1: question. Uh, me. They're, they're, that's what they're trying to do. Uh, they're trying to obstruct our investigation. You know, they allege, oh, we're interfering in a local prosecution. I'm like, no, no, you're interfering our, in our investigation, which is part of our constitutional duty to do oversight. After all, Alvin Bragg, think about this. Alvin Bragg used federal funds to indict a former president for no crime. When we want to investigate, when we want to ask questions, he takes us to court. And he takes us to court because we want to talk with a guy who hasn't worked there for over a year and who wrote a book, Mark Pomerantz, who wrote a book solely on this subject about how to get President Trump. And we want to talk to this guy, and they take us to court. So, um, yeah, they're interfering with our investigation. Uh, We want to get the facts and the truth because this is— They use federal funds, and this is the most important election we have, and this is the guy, President Trump, who's leading in every single poll, who's going to be, I think, the Republican nominee, I think going to be our next president, um, and they're interfering in that federal election. So this is why it's a federal issue, uh, and and we want to get some answers. So we're uh, we're trying to do that. We'll see what happens in court. We have to file our brief on Monday, and then the arguments will be made uh, next Wednesday.
0: So how do you think this is going to shake out? Do you think that he's going to be able to override your oversight? Is it going to cause complications? Or Are you guys going to still be able to do it anyway? Because this obviously yeah. puts a little cog in the machine. But are you able to overcome this and pursue this investigation?
1: We think we will be. I mean, it, it depends on what the what the judge says. You know, we'll we'll see when when uh, what the court has to say about it. Uh, but but think about this. You know, the, supposedly this is a. They're alleging this is a campaign finance violation, even though the Federal Elections Commission wouldn't, didn't bring an action, even though the DOJ wouldn't bring an action against President Trump. And think of the position that President Trump was in. So if he, if he would have used campaign funds to pay for this non-disclosure, to pay for this, then FEC might have went after him. But he didn't use campaign funds, he used business funds, personal funds, and now the DA's come, so he can't be wrong on both. When you have that kind of conflict, right. that in and of itself makes it a federal concern. Not to mention the fact that Alvin Bragg admitted to us when we asked, when we had correspondence back and forth with his office, he admitted that they used federal funds as part of the process of, in, of indicting President Trump. So we do think there's a federal nexus and we'll have one of our members frankly introduce legislation which says if you're going to have local DA's go after people running for president or former president, that is a case that should be removed to federal court, should not be in, in, in local state right. court. Um, so we're, I think we're gonna have that legislation introduced this week as well by one of our one of my colleagues on, our, uh, on the Judiciary Committee.
0: A lot of Americans don't have a lot of faith in our judicial system anymore. So when we're looking at Donald Trump facing 136 years, it seems ridiculous, outlandish. It doesn't seem like this could possibly happen. But because of where this is set, because it's in Manhattan, because of yeah. this DA, because of the judge, because of the venue, I think a lot of Americans are also concerned that he could end up doing a hard time. If that ends up being the case, is there anything that you guys can do to step in well, or is there any legal recourse that the House can take you, to make sure that this political persecution doesn't go yeah. all the way through?
1: We should have you as a witness because that, that that's thats all that you just laid out there is why this should be removed to federal court and should not be tried there, why we, why we need this legislation if you're going to have these kind of local DAs bring, bring these type of cases. Um, I, I hope I hope that does, it doesn't get to that. I hope this the, uh, this this is one of these cases that gets dismissed. Everyone has said there's there's no case here. Even people on the left, Andrew McCabe, Andrew McCabe said last week when they when they had the uh, you know when the indictment was rolled out and they did the arraignment, even Andrew McCabe, no friend of President Trump's, no friend of a Republicans, said, well, this wasn't too impressive of a rollout that Alvin Bragg had here. So even when when you have even the left saying there's no case there, I think there's obviously no case there, and it, again, just underscores that this is being done for political purposes. My big fear is they're gonna go after him in Georgia. You're gonna see him indicted in mm-hmm. Georgia. And maybe even the special counsel, Jack Smith indicts him. And I think that's the scariest thing of all because think about it, if, if, the, if the special counsel goes after President Trump on the uh, classified document issue and doesn't do anything to Joe Biden, Joe Biden who had classified documents in supposedly now his home in Wilmington, at his beach home in Chinatown, at the Penn Biden Center, had him everywhere if they go up to President Trump and indict him on that issue and not President Biden, I just think that is so, so unhealthy for our culture. Um, and it's just a scary thing. But I think it underscores, again, just, just how political we've seen these federal agencies. Understand, in the past four weeks, we have learned that the FTC was... Going to a private company, 13 letters to Elon Musk and Twitter. Going to a private company, the first letter after the first Twitter files comes out, the very first question they ask is, who are the journalists you're talking to? Name four journalists personally. Two of those four journalists come testify in front of our committee. While they're testifying, Democrat members of Congress ask Mr. Taibbi and Mr. Schellenberger, who are your sources? Direct attack on the First Amendment. And while they're asking those kind of ridiculous questions, attacking the First Amendment, guess what's happening? The IRS is knocking on Matt Taibbi's door right now you talk about intimidation this is scary stuff going on And then you couple all that with what happened in Manhattan last week with Alvin Bragg what we may think what we think may happen in in Georgia or with with Jack Smith it's a serious time and it's it's why the work you're doing to expose all this is is so darn important
0: is it fixable because that's what most Americans want to know at this point for the average American out there that's just trying to pay the mortgage pay the bills yeah. This all seems like a lot of jargon to them and all they know is that our president is being indicted, he was arraigned, and they don't really know what to make of all of it other than the fact that they don't have a lot of confidence that this is actually going to turn out in fairness for the president or anybody else. So we're wondering if it's fixable. I know you guys are doing the best you can, but honestly if you're talking to average Americans and they have lost all their confidence, can you reassure them?
1: Well, it is. I mean, I always say, look, uh, it, it's America. It's still the greatest country ever, and made up of all kinds of great people um, who, who, who you know, wake up every day and figure out what's our goal today. How are we going to work hard? How are we going to make good things happen? Um, so, yeah, it is. But what we really need is you. You need you need the White House. I mean, the way modern American government works is you got you almost have to have the executive branch control the executive branch, the presidency, to effect real change. And we saw it. It's not just a you know, few years ago, we saw what can happen when you have real leadership in the White House. When President Trump was in the White House and we had amazing economic growth, we were respected around the world, I mean, good things were happening because he got in there and did what he said he was going to do. Um, but right now, we don't have that. So, I, I, yeah, it can be fixed. Our job is to lay this all out, but, but really where, when it matters is who we elect as president. If we get President Trump back in the White House, who, that's who I'm for, um, I think we can turn it around. If we don't, then I'm, then I'm really worried. I really am. So that's why this next year and a half are so darn important.
0: Speaking of Joe Biden and Hunter Biden, you know, we played the clip there. Hunter is right alongside him, yeah. traveling on Air Force One to Ireland, probably going to crop up some great business deals for himself. I mean, that would be the precedent that's already been set. But... A lot of Americans are wondering, too, this investigation into Hunter Biden, we've seen the facts be laid out by Republicans (laughs) that, hey, there's a lot of nefarious things going on here. There's a lot of payments being made that are really inexplicable. But where is this investigation going? Do you guys have anything on the horizon that's actually going to maybe get somewhere this time or make the American public realize how serious this could potentially be?
1: So uh, Three quick things I say. One is, yeah, you know, you see the, uh, Uh, the money, the $3 million to to Robertson Walker, and then it gets paid out to Bidens. And and the fundamental question is, for what? Right. What did they do? What service did they provide? What value did they add? And Uh,
0: continue to provide, because let's not forget this money is not like it was just a one-time payment. It kept coming over the span of about 10 years, and now you've got Hunter on Air Force One going to Ireland with his father. Yeah,
1: it makes uh, makes no sense. Uh, uh, Chairman Comer of the Oversight Committee is heading up that investigation. Our big concern in the Judiciary Committee is how this all relates to um, these agencies being turned against the American people and, and in particular how the Biden laptop story was connected with actions of, of various agencies to suppress that information keep that information from the American people in the run-up to the 2020 election so one of the one of the if you, if you haven't if your viewers haven't read the Twitter files I would encourage you to read the one that Schellenberger wrote about the Hunter Biden laptop and in there there's a, he talks about this sworn declaration that Yoel Roth makes as the guy, the head of site integrity at, mm-hmm. at, at Twitter. And Yol Roth says in the run up to the election, he said he had weekly meetings with the FBI where they talked about a hack and leak operation that was likely to happen in October of 2020 and likely to involve Hunter Biden. So now think about it. They said, they said, here's what's going to happen. Here's how it's going to happen. And here's who it's going to involve. And Shazam, that's exactly what unfolded. And, and sort of the fundamental question is, how did they know? I mean, were these guys clairvoyant? Right. How did they know? And, of course, the simple fact is they had the laptop for a year. So they were, as as Schellenberger points out, they were pre-bunking the story, the true story that came out. And then they kept that information. When 51 former intel officials signed that letter, they kept that information from We the People right before the most important election we have. That was election interference. And so that's the angle we have on the Judiciary Committee. Chairman Comer is really looking at what you brought up, Tommy, these these suspicious activity reports these banking mm-hmm. records and they're as the name would in, in, imply they're suspicious like the ones that we had uh, the, the three million dollars to Robinson Walker so um, he's gonna look at all that there's more coming uh, uh, I haven't talked to, to Mr. Comer in a couple days but I know that oversight committee and staff are working hard on that
0: here's what concerns a lot of average Americans like myself there's the Hunter Biden laptop and you talk to a lot of people and it's like oh well it's just salacious what does it really matter to me but then when you look at the possible involvement of our president and you look at the position we're in with China right now that's what makes me concerned because China seems to be running roughshod all over our country and you wonder do they have something over this current president and is he appeasing them so that he doesn't get exposed that's what we're really concerned about and how concerned should we be with China's involvement in all of this especially when it comes to the Biden last name
1: well um You're right and I think think a lot of Americans have that concern. My biggest concern is even broader than that is just weakness projected from the Oval Office. Uh, You had strength in President Trump, Uh, I felt we had respect around the world when President Trump was in charge of foreign policy Um, and and his team around him. I always, I shared this example many times but um, you know Mike Pompeo was asked this question probably a little over a year ago when, when Putin first went into Ukraine. And Mike was doing an interview, and they asked him, they said, Mr. Secretary, would this have happened uh, uh, if if Trump were in the White House? And Secretary Pompeo gave a great answer. He said, well, the short answer is, I don't know. But I do know this, it didn't happen when President Trump was in the White House. And that sort of says it all, because, Mm -hmm. again, when you have President Trump and the strength he projected from the Oval Office as Commander-in-Chief of the greatest country in the world, and you had sharp, intelligent people like Pompeo as Secretary of State, the rest of the world understood it. And then in comes, in comes Biden and Blinken. Remember Blinken's first meeting with his Chinese counterpart in Anchorage? The the, the the guy from China just lectured, you guys are terrible, you're racist. He gave them all. And Blinken just sat there and took it like a like a wimp, right? Where uh, it, there is no way they would have done that in a Trump administration. And if they would have tried, Pompeo would have given it back to him. Or more likely, he'd have got up, flipped the table over, and walked out. So it, that's the difference. And um, that's why this this, you know, I know we just got through one election, but this next election is so darn important. We have to have President Trump, in my judgment, back in the White House so we can turn things around.
0: I wanna talk about the weaponization of the FBI once again. Now we're finding out they're going after Catholic parishes and they're going after the church again. So we know that here in Nashville two weeks ago there was an assault and an attack on Christianity, but this goes beyond just what happened at that elementary school or that school here in Nashville. This goes to a broader discussion of why are they targeting religious institutions what can you tell us is going on here and what should we be concerned about yeah. forthcoming?
1: Yeah, what happened here in Nashville was just, was just tragic. Um, well, what the FBI is doing, I think it's a sort of a, you know, a manifestation of, of that speech Biden gave last fall in front of Independence Hall when he called half the country fascist. Um, this, you know, domestic violent extremist, you know, that, this whole, we've heard from a number yeah. of whistleblowers who talk about how there's a focus in the FBI of labeling cases is as domestic violence extremism cases. So you had in the Richmond field office, you had folks get together, put together this memo that said are, the FBI is looking to develop informants, looking to develop sources within the church, um, even amongst clergy and leadership in the church. Now think about it. Going into Catholic church, like spies and snitches inside of a church, that, that is so, such an affront to the First Amendment. And as I read through it, in the footnotes, they talk about the Dobbs decision. And they use the term radical traditional catholic what they're really focusing on is pro-life catholics mm-hmm. i mean that's that's about half the people i get the privilege of representing in the fourth district are radical traditional catholics because they're pro-life catholic and actually it was funny i was reading through it and the family i came to mind is sean and rachel duffy i mean sean duffy they got 10 kids they're they're mm-hmm. they're traditional catholic great family that's who like there's this bias against and, and labeling them as extremists it's really scary but you couple that with what we knew happened a year ago when uh the memorandum was put out based on what the national school board association treating p- parents at school board mm-hmm. meetings as you know we're going to use counterterrorism measures against parents showing up at school board meetings so if you're a pro-life parent and catholic i guess they're coming after you which is um which is really scary and again just underscores how serious this threat to the first amendment we see from the left is today
0: you've got your hands full and on Monday, you're going to New York because you got your hands full again. Tell me about this field hearing. I know C-SPAN doesn't want to cover it. They don't want to touch it, but it's still very important, actual importance to the people in New York and around yeah. the country. What what happens on Monday?
1: Well, we're going to to talk about just this, this, you know, record level of crime we see in every major urban area around the country. Um, and we're going to hear from some, some victims, uh, a mom who lost a son who was a veteran and was uh, was killed uh, there in New York. We're going to hear from uh, some other witnesses. We're going to hear from the guy who was in the convenience store who was at- uh, attacked and then fought back and killed the guy who was attacking him. And then Alvin Bragg was going to was going to prosecute the guy mm-hmm. working in the store, um, Mr. Alba. So um, we just want to underscore what's what's happened when you have these left wing, many times Soros supported DAs around the country who think it's more important to let bad guys roam the streets and give. Very little, you know, don't prosecute them, give them light sentences, than it is to protect communities, protect families, and protect small business owners. When you have rampant crime, it, it hurts families, it hurts the communities, but it hurts commerce and business and economic growth okay. in these areas, which, which is harmful to that whole community then. Um, so that's the message we want to we talk about because um, it's just so harmful in these areas where you don't prosecute bad guys, where you don't put bad guys behind bars who do bad things.
0: I mean, they can't even have a Whole Foods open in San Francisco anymore because of the problem. So it's it's yeah. real, and I think communities are noticing it. We thought it would help Republicans more in midterms because of the lawlessness, but I don't know if the messaging was correct. I hope leading into 2024 we can put that yeah. message forth more and hammer it home more but the last question I have for you is more of a fun one. I know that you're from Ohio, I'm from South Dakota, so we're Midwest people. Yep. Are you a Bud Light drinker, Congressman?
1: <laughs> Not now. Not now. Not now. What
0: do you make of this? I know that you guys are Just, so in the weeds of all the legal and the yeah. oversight and the judiciary, but I wanna know, when you see this going on and Bud Light really taking a nosedive because of all this yeah. Dylan Mulvaney stuff, yeah. How big do you think the cultural side of everything is going to be in 2024? And it's not something that you guys can legislate, but it's something that's going to be an election issue, and maybe for Republicans, an important one. The culture part of this is important now. It
1: sure is. It sure is. Uh, No, I mean, look, most Americans are just regular Americans with common sense. I, I love the line that Sarah Huckabee Sanders, you know, when we had the State of the Union address, no one remembers much of what Joe Biden said, but the response is usually a tough thing to do, but. Governor Sanders, when she came out, she had a great line. She did a great job. And she said the divide in America today is normal versus crazy. And you you can go down the list. It is crazy to defund the police. It is crazy to think boys should compete against girls in sports. It is crazy to think we shouldn't have a border. You just it is crazy to let a spy balloon, spy balloon, not a balloon, (laughs) spy balloon, fly across the country, then shoot it down, not shoot it down before, particularly when it's from China. So you can go down the list. It is crazy to do what Bud Light did. And most Americans say like, that's stupid, that's crazy. I want a beer, I want a brat, I want to watch my team. I don't want this kind of baloney associated with the beer I like to drink. And they're going to drink another beer. Maybe they're going to drink Clay's beer now, which is, which I, which is a great product or someone else's. But they're yes. not going to drink Bud Light. And it's, I, I think I saw today they've had a huge loss in value of mm-hmm. the company. I forget the number, but it it's a big number. Um, so, yeah, Americans are, Americans are people of common sense. And they're fed up with the woke baloney they see. Um, that's a good thing.
0: I think so, too. I'm more of a Miller Lite fan myself, so it really doesn't <laughs> impact me at all. But I like the fact that conservatives are finally giving these liberal companies a taste of their own medicine yes, because yes. we've never been able to do it before. Our yes. impact as conservatives has never really had a real impact on the bottom line. But maybe now we're finding our power. Let's just hope that's the case. Thank you for everything that you do. Thank you. Thank you. for bringing your lovely wife, who is so fantastic, and I she love to nice. see her. Yeah. Hope you guys enjoy Nashville. You're going to enjoy it more than New York. I can promise you that.
1: Thank you. Thank you, all right, Tommy. Thanks for what you do.
0: Thank you so much. Coming up next, Joe Biden is completely and totally incapable of holding the office of the president, and his trip to Ireland has made that an indisputable fact. My final thoughts are next. If you're wondering where Joe is this week, well, so is he. But he's in Ireland because, as we know, Ireland really is the epicenter of national and international concern right now. I'm glad he's really tackling the top priorities like inflation, border security crime, the baby formula shortage, China's strategic moves to replace the U.S. as a world power, oh, and Ireland's best ice cream shops, according to Yelp reviews. But even in a casual and completely inconsequential trip to his ancestral motherland, he's found a way to embarrass the United States of America as a whole.
2: So proud to be with. I don't want to ruin the reputation, but the carnage are relatives. <laughs> as I was with Xi Jinping. I've spent more time with them than any world leader has over the last ten years, and over they keep a meticulous count, as the former T-shirt will know, and uh, over now uh 87 hours worth and i was in the tibetan plateau with him i traveled 17
1: miles miles in china over 10 years and uh he asked me he said can you define america for me and i could say the same of ireland i said yes i can
2: i said in one word possibilities
0: Sorry, Time,
1: to então, OK. okay. Uh, is the top políticas- What's the
2: top, followingワer- What's the top steps- That's Success? Well, success, uh, success? making sure that we don't all have COVID. What? Why? What talking about? Just don't jump over. Don't jump. No, not now.
0: Hmm. But aren't y'all glad he's got his crackhead slash painter slash energy executive slash swindler son by his side to help him navigate questions from children? Makes me feel a lot better for sure. Yeah, I actually do feel badly for Joe. Age has not been kind to him, and it shows. But why the hell is this being allowed to continue? It's not just embarrassing, it's dangerous. For one thing, he's got whoever is in his shadow team running things, and I don't remember anyone voting for them. I know I sure as hell did not. Whoever is running the country right now is not on a silly little vacation in Ireland. They're behind the scenes, hiding, but all the while fundamentally changing our nation for the worse. And what do our enemies think when they see our commander-in-chief stumbling his way through the presidency? I think it's pretty obvious they know now is the time to come for it all. You know, I'm tired of Joe getting a pass because in the worst-kept secret of all time, he's mentally failing. Jill Biden ought to be ashamed of herself, allowing her husband to go through this on the world stage. We know Hunter doesn't care because Joe is his meal ticket, but if Joe had any respect for this country or the office of the president, he'd step down. But damn it, then we'd have this. So whatever way you look at this thing, we're screwed. This is why I cannot reiterate it enough. 2024 is the most important election of the last at least 60 years. We simply cannot lose. So we better get serious about this and nominate a candidate who can win. Those are my final thoughts. Catch me live on Hannity tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern, Fox News. From Nashville, God bless and take care.